Today's show is brought to you by our friends at, over at Belvedere, the world's finest all-natural vodka. Belvedere is made with 100% non-GMO Polska rye, pristine water from their own natural well, and no additives. Zero, zip, zilch. In an exciting development, The Ringer will be partnering with Belvedere to host their first ever crossover podcast featuring Ryan Rosillo from Dual Threat and Kevin Clark and Robert Mays from the NFL Show. All live from Caesars Palace in Las Vegas on November 12th at 9 p.m. Pacific time, post Monday Night Football. Join Rosillo, Clark, and Mays as they discuss all things NFL, from the greatness of Pat Mahomes to Eli Manning's future in New York, plus a number of valuable gambling and fantasy tips. I'm sure Mays will be talking about the offensive line stuff as well. Uh, come hang with the Ringer NFL crew in Vegas on November 12th and just visit bit.ly slash Belvedere Live to purchase your tickets. That is bit.ly slash Belvedere Live to purchase your tickets. This is very special live podcast is all made possible by the world's finest all-natural vodka, Belvedere. And please remember to always drink responsibly. See you at Caesars. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Danny Football Podcast. My name is Danny Heifetz. I am joined, as always, by my co-host and co-Danny, Danny Kelly. How are you doing, DK? I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? I'm good, man. We, we have full-time Craig here. Yep. No Jim, thank God. Jim's stressed and ran away, so I don't know what he's doing. I guess he was tired. But you know what's not a mystery, DK? What's that? The trade deadline is approaching. Mm. For those in Yahoo, I believe most people in Yahoo have trade deadline November 10th. Mm-hmm. Fast coming, so we're going to run through some trade deadline stuff and just go through buys, sells, a uh, little stock yeah. market action, right? And just basically, yeah. yeah, and just look at who we like for the second half of the season. Uh, but before that, we're going to go through some waiver wire lightning round and some initial advice. DK, should we dive in? Yeah, let's do this. No, wait, first. Uh, Craig, since Jim is gone, Batman music for the Dark Knights? <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. <laughs> yes. All right. All right, DK. Perfect. Um, <laughs> okay, who's your first Dark Knight for this week? All right. So Adam Adam Humphreys of the Buccaneers. Um, obviously, we've been talking about Chris Godwin a little bit over the last few months, but Humphreys emerged in the last three weeks as kind of the number two guy behind Mike Evans in that offense, just in terms of targets and and workload and all that. Um, He's had eight plus targets last three uh, games, nine, 10 and eight. Um, Last week he had eight catches on eight targets, 82 yards and two touchdowns. His touchdown thing is rare. I mean, he's not going to be a touchdown guy, but in PPR, he could be worth a flex going forward. The the Bucks pass a ton. And it seems like uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is kind of trusting him in, in the middle in the intermediate range. Last three weeks per PFF, Humphrey leads the team in targets, 31. Second in catches with 14. Second in yards, 195. He's actually first in touchdowns with two. Um, and the pass rating when targeted for him is 103.8, which is first on the team. So he runs 85% of his routes out of the slot. And what do we always say about slot receivers on this podcast? It's like anti-aging cream that makes your teeth whiter <laughs> and skin, you know. There's just no, clean. there's not, nothing bad about being a slot receiver when it comes to fantasy mm-hmm. world, especially PPR. So Going forward, Humphreys looks like an ad because, I mean, I, I don't know. He's not going to, like you said, he's not going to be a big red zone guy, but just the volume he gets of targets and things like that, I think he, he's a valuable ad going forward. Yeah. No, that that's, I mean, I we've talked about how the slot is basically like those late night infomercial stuff. Yeah. Um, no, but it's, it's interesting to see how Jameis and Fitzpatrick highlight different receivers and you watch them and obviously it's the same offense, but it's interesting how they really do have chemistry with very different guys in that offense yeah. uh, and how those things change. Uh, like Deshaun has been obviously much better with Fitz probably than Jameis. And then 
Cameron Brait was like James's favorite thing, and it's the toss and turning has been probably exhausting for people on Bucks. So sorry, but OG Howard yeah. is back too, so that's nice to know. Absolutely, that was fun actually to see him kind of. He's emerging. He's he's turning into uh, one of the top. He's emerged tight ends in the NFL, but that's neither here nor there. What's so? Uh, who's your first guy? Uh, I I'm just on the Browns, dude. Duke Johnson. Well, yeah. I actually said to sit last week, but I said, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like right-ish because I said that he would be great for the rest of the year. Yeah. He was great now. So I think that's a that's a win, you know, well, even though I said bench him at 25 points, whatever. But no, it was nice to see actually some of that come to fruition. We talked about how Todd Haley got fired in large part because he just wasn't using Duke Johnson because how the front office envisioned they gave him mm-hmm. a contract extension. Uh, Freddie Kitchens, our boy, Freddie Kitchens, new offensive coordinator, had him out there for 35 snaps at a 75. Uh, the week before that, he had a season low 23, and they really targeted him. So Freddie Kitch said that they wanted Baker <laughs> to be throwing more quick passes, getting the ball out of his hands, shorter routes, all those things that happened. That is like music to the ears for like Duke Johnson. And you really saw that, like a, third, a lot of crucial third downs and goal line stuff. They were really throwing the ball short of the sticks and having him yeah. run. I don't love that, honestly, for as a general thing, but great for Duke Johnson. Because uh, <laughs> really, it was like a lot of their third and two plays and, you know, uh, first and goal from the two-yard line was like, oh, I was going to give it to Duke Johnson behind the yard and hoping you get it. So this is, Yeah, that was exactly what I wanted them to do with Johnson. I mean, because they've had such a shortage of healthy and quality receivers. Obviously, Antonio Callaway is just, he's had his struggles all year. Just seems like they were really forcing it to the receivers a lot um, under Haley, and obviously, like you said, Haley was really reticent to use Johnson. Freddie Kitchens apparently knows where his bread is buttered because he is almost like he thumbed his nose at like Hugh and Hugh and Haley, and and really just went with Johnson hard and made him kind of like a focal point of the offense. Yeah, I'm guessing that's going to be what's happening going forward. He, he's a good like um, security blanket for for Mayfield yeah. going forward. So. His skill set's similar to James White, who's obviously having an amazing season. Yeah. As Lombardi says all the time, you know, James White's just kind of a, a catcher, not a bat, not a runner. And it's like Duke Johnson has a similar skill set. And now he's actually going to be used that way. And obviously, he probably won't be as good as White, but he was as good as White this week. So Yeah, Duke Johnson was the RB15 last year. Overall. Yeah, exactly. So if you were able to snag him, go. For, if you didn't, like, go get him. But I think he's going to be a pretty super reliable flex going forward and going up against the Falcons this week oh yeah sorry that was the whole point of me talking about this wasn't it (laughs) I was plugging him so I I believe in him the rest of the season this week is a particularly good matchup obviously the Chiefs is a really good matchup last week this is almost just as good the Falcons offense is only a couple notches below the Chiefs so it'll be a shootout and then their defense is just as bad if not worse at covering running backs Uh, they lost a bunch of key defenders and they can't defend any running backs so it's it's, I, I think he has just as good a shot of getting 25 this week as he did last week yeah absolutely my next guy, Mike Davis of the Seahawks. Um, Chris Carson obviously hurt his thigh slash hip in this last game. He's been nursing a hip injury going back into last week. <clears throat> Rashad Penny didn't make the most of his touches necessarily when he came I mean, in. What was relief. that? Well, sorry, <laughs> sorry, full time. Subjective. I, sorry. I still don't see. <laughs> this is kind of a, a side. I just don't see first round skill trait. Like I just don't see first round traits from Penny. Yeah. No, like no one, no one has. Um, hopefully, hopefully <laughs> he looks we will. Okay, I'm sure he's a great guy. Hopefully, we will. Um, Davis, I mean, he's he's been pretty good when he's gotten his opportunities. He's got 4.3 yards per carry. He's 12th in the NFL right now in yards after contact per rush, uh, just behind Melvin Gordon and just ahead of Carryon Johnson. Chris Carson's fourth for reference. 
but volume is the biggest factor here. I mean, since week three, the Seahawks lead the NFL in rush attempts, 216. Second in yards, uh, rushing uh, 959. They scored five touchdowns. Um, last week against the Chargers, he had 15 rushes, 62 yards, caught seven passes for 45 yards. It was a big part of the offense. Um, this week, they're going up against the Rams, who have, um, over the last six, five, six weeks, given up a lot of yards on the ground. Last time the Seahawks played them, they ran for 190 yards. So I just think, whether however you feel about Mike Davis and or Rashad Benny, um, the Seahawks' backfield is going to have a ton of volume running the ball. And so right now, Mike Davis is in front. Craig, if you think if you think Penny's a buy low guy, I'm I'm not necessarily going to argue with you because I just ultimately think volume is the most important thing. But if Chris Carson can't stay healthy, Davis is the next man up right now, and so I think he's worth an ad. I'm, I'd be lying if I said I'm I'm not losing steam on Rashad Penny, <laughs> <laughs> much like Rashad Penny. <laughs> but I'm living in denial. Uh, well, Pete well. Carroll said today they need to get him more tries or, or something like that. Um, which is, and I guess Schneider said it, John Schneider, the GM, he said it before the game too, they want to get him more involved. We keep hearing that they want to get him more involved. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, but. Let's move on from people who don't matter. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to, I'm going to break the rules a little bit. I'm just going to run three in a row right here. and try to be a little quick. The four teams on bye this week are four of the most owned defenses in the whole league. It's the Ravens, it's the Texans, it's the Broncos. Um, I'm forgetting the fourth. Like Vikings, there we go. Uh, those are, I think, four of the top 12, three of the top six or whatever on ESPN and Yahoo. So I just wanted to run through a few defenses that are totally worth streaming. The Chargers are going against the Raiders. This one isn't super complicated. The Raiders suck. Uh, the Niners, who are talented but really young and raw and have been horrible at times this year on defense, held them to almost shut them out, which it's hard to describe how actually hard it is to shut an NFL team out. Like, it really doesn't happen. It's like, <laughs> it's really yeah, it's hard rare. to shut a football team out. Almost shut out the Raiders. Uh, Chargers are way better than 49ers. I, it's fantastic. Uh, if you can't get one of them, the Bills are playing the Jets, which is hysterical. That's going to be, what a game. Yeah, exactly. Right. So this is going to be disgusting. Riley McAtee of the Ringer, Sac- Sacktown uh, North Cal Homer, who was North- my editor, is your editor. North Cal? North Cal? I don't know. I'm from New York, dude. Would it be NorCal? NorCal? It's NorCal, yeah. Oh, yeah, because everyone knows that. you're looking for NorCal. (laughs) It's all right. It's like when New Yorkers say, like, the city, you can be like, what's... Get out of here. (laughs) This is stupid. Sorry, Riley. North Cal. He's going to be mad. Anyway, um, he is doing a great piece for TheRinger.com that will go up Tuesday morning. You should check it out about how the Bills, as an opposing fantasy defense opponent, is, like, the best matchup of all time. Uh... (laughs) The Bills, on average leagues right now, like for ESPN, for example, their defense is averaging 16 points per week, more than 16 points per week. Here are the players averaging more than 16 points per week in standard leagues. This is, uh, Riley compiled this. Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon, James Conner, Alvin Kamara, Kareem Hunt, Saquon Barkley. And then... That's it? Defense is facing the Bills. <laughs> <laughs> Those are your top eight fantasy players uh, on a weekly basis. Oh my God. Uh, check out that piece from Riley on theringer.com. Uh, Bills are, it's absolutely incredible. Jets are owned in just over a third of leagues. So you got Saquon Barkley just sitting on waivers. The flip side to that is that the Bills defense is playing the Jets and Sam Donald leads the league in interceptions with 14. Nobody else is more than 10. Uh, Sammy, Sammy D had 334 yards in week two. He's been under 230 every game since then, except one Buffalo's defense is like shockingly competent. They're like fourth in DVOA, um, and efficiency per play. 
and you don't really see that on the box score because they by far have like the worst starting field position because the offense sucks and turns the ball over all the time. But the defense only gives up like 30 yards per drive, like the or sorry, it's 30th in yards allowed per drive. They're really good. Um, and this game's going to be ugly and disgusting. And if you get a part of it, it'll be probably really great for your defense. So there. And oh ran. my God, that is the worst game imaginable. But yeah. I do like that from a fantasy point of view. Um, last guy for me is Marquez Valdez Scantling of the Packers receiver. Going up against Miami this week, he's kind of separated himself among the team's young receiver core. Geronimo Allison is hurt. Looks like he might actually go to the IR. At least he's going to have potentially have surgery. Um, Randall Cobb isn't getting any younger. And Scantling, or Valdez Scantling, looks like he's kind of on the uptick right now. Last week he had three catches, 101 yards. The week before that, two catches, 45 yards, a touchdown. And then, you know, so on and so forth. He's, he's kind of just emerged in this offense. He played... 81% of snaps, and that was uh, second only to Devontae Adams last week. He's recorded 100 yards or a touchdown each of the last four games, and he is the second highest graded receiver on the Packers this season for pro football focus. So going forward, it looks like Aaron Rodgers kind of starting to trust this guy. He's a big play guy. Uh, obviously, that passing offense has a lot of upside just because of what Rodgers can do. So um, as it's clear, it's starting to become more clear kind of how that, that pecking order goes. I think it's now is the time you go and pick that guy up. I apologize to the Packers beat writer who tweeted this because I can't remember who it was, but they had a great joke and they were just said Geronimo Allison's getting Wally pipped, <laughs> which I forgot who that was for a moment. Guy, you know, got replaced by Babe Ruth. Um, yeah, I think I love Geronimo Allison coming to the season for so many reasons. And it's just, it's unfortunate. I think the timing with the concussion, the other injuries, I think MVS has supplanted Geronimo, which is heartbreaking for me. <laughs> yeah. May we just point out, we said that we would do this last week. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Danny Heifetz claimed that any receiver starting uh, their first game in the middle of the season with a new team, you should not start them. And I said I'd keep track. Please do. Demarius Thomas had three catches on three targets for 61 yards, 7.6 fantasy points, half PPR. Respectable, perhaps. How many points? Low-end flex. Single digit. 7.6. Did DeAndre Hopkins not have... Three targets is 50 pretty. plus percent well, of Deshaun Watson's throws went to DeAndre Hopkins? Well, he had all of that in the first quarter, so... Pretty impressive, technically. Nobody, so he threw to him and then decided to come, oh, not throwing it back to this All guy. All I know again. is if Amari Cooper goes nuts tonight, let's, let's move on. <laughs> but before we move on, let's take a quick break. Football season is underway, and DK already has major regrets about his season long fantasy teams. Uh, I'm sure most of you feel the same way if you listen to him. You spend all off-season researching and getting excited for the draft, and then comes the pain, which is why we're so excited to be playing on FanDuel all season. Over at FanDuel, you get the excitement of researching and building your team each week, regardless of the outcome. Plus, FanDuel has never been more fun or easy to play. We've been playing in their Gridiron Pick'em Contest every week. It's a free contest where all you need to do is pick winners, no spreads, and then $10,000 to split amongst the top pickers. Trust me, if you're not a fantasy expert, then FanDuel is clearly the place to play. Plus, new users get a $5 bonus when they make their first deposit. So come play with us at fanduel.com slash the ringer. That is fanduel.com slash the ringer. All right, TK, uh, let's run through some players that are probably going to be active on the waiver wire this round, or, well, the players that would be picked up on the waiver wire by active mm-hmm. owners, and whether we're in or out on them and who we like and don't like so much. Um, all right, let's start. Who's your first guy? 
Theo Riddick of the Lions, uh, going forward, it kind of looks like he might be taking a little bit up of uh, Golden Tate's role as sort of the slot receiver. Um, per Ian Hart, it's on Twitter. Riddick's snap counts out of the slot or out wide from weeks one through five was only 4.4 a game. On Sunday, it was 13 times. So he's kind of splitting out a little bit more. He caught seven out of eight targets for 36 yards. Again, it's really, really... I mean, obviously, it's it's not high yardage, but in a PPR league, he could be an option. I'm kind of staying away from him again. It's just the same same thing. It's just he, he's not picking up enough yards. I don't know if he's going to be a red zone threat. Um, but it is something to monitor going forward. If he takes up a big part of that Tate role, um, he could be interesting going forward. For me, I'm out right now. Yeah, I, I don't like the Lions. I actually... I actually dropped Matthew Stafford uh, in a league the other day. He's owned in still more than three quarters of leagues. I think you can drop him. I think that the emergence of Carryon Johnson has really just taken. It's it's made me realize how much of the Lions value is just at a volume. The volume isn't there anymore. The offense isn't as good. I don't know what happened to our boy Jim Bob Cooter. I'm out on out on Detroit minus Carryon. Fair enough. Um, next for me, so Cordero Patterson. I'm speaking of names. I can't say Cord- Cordero. I think yeah, that's how you say. It. Uh, so he's. Low-key, Patriots goal line running back right now. Uh, it was weird to watch because at one point they gave James White uh, to score over UDK. James White got like four straight goal line carries, but otherwise it was mostly Cor- uh, Cordero Patterson. Uh, I think it's kind of easy to dismiss this because Sony Michelle might come back soon, but Sony Michelle, last we saw him on a field, everyone thought he was out for the season. Now we've switched back to like, ah, oh, he'll be fine. He's coming back. Like, I, you don't know. And again, it's a weekly league. It's hard to go yep. with Belichick trusting running backs, but I would grab him because again, so much of Sony Michelle's value is goal line back, and uh, who, I, I would I would pick up Cordero. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, he's a desperation pickup at this point. Obviously, Sony's going to come back at some point, but yeah, until we find out, it, it's going to be the most annoying. He's going to be the most annoying guy to 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 have on your roster too, because you know that that the Patriots are going to go to like Saturday night before they declare anyone in or out, or even Sunday morning. I think so, you always have like a running back on the edge of your bench who like is not a great play and Cordell Patterson's one of the few people you can find on waivers that might be yeah. like an elite play in a given thing or just like a super solid one. That's really rare. Uh, next guy, Jeff Harmon from the Broncos. Is that how you say his name? Howerman? H-E-U-E-R. Full-time Greg might know this. When I throw his name in, I actually just copy and paste it straight from like NFL.com. Let's just go with Big Jeff. Big Jeff, uh, he's that big. He's like six five, right? He he's Medium a kind of similar Jeff. deal with uh, with Riddick in the sense that we're kind of seeing the fallout from trades with Demarius Thomas leaving. Uh, he became a bigger part of the Broncos' offense. We'll see if that's a fluke. Last week, he got ten out of eleven targets for eighty three yards and a touchdown. I don't know if that's going to be kind of what happens going forward in their offense, or it's just kind of a, a game specific thing or whatever. Um, but. With so few tight ends that are actually viable as starters, it might be worth a pick up this week. He's on a buy. Um, if you have, if you've been streaming tight ends, or if you if you're worried about your tight end situation, I think he could be just worth the speculative ad at this point. Because, I mean, if you're getting ten or eleven targets in in, in any offense, it's going to be good, especially for the tight end position. So, uh, I'm taking a flyer on him in that case, but he is on a buy this week. More importantly, I'm wondering if he's big Jeff or medium sized Jeff. So. Six foot five, two fifty, which is big, but among tight ends, it's not that big. And I'm looking it up, and he is almost exactly in the middle, forty sixth out of like a hundred. Medium sized Jeff. Medium sized Jeff. MSJ. <laughs> so you in or out on MSJ, DK? I'm in on him as a speculative ad. Okay, all right, in on MSJ. Yeah. Uh, I have next to me. I have Alfred Blue. Uh, yeah. This is, I think, the new TJ Yeldon for me. 
which is TJ <laughs> Yeldon's useful this year. Uh, but he's in the spirit of the TJ Yeldon mindset for me. The guy who's like a backup who's in line to see touches and like on paper makes sense because he's probably better than the guy ahead of him. He seems, the eye test, I think he's probably better than Lamar Miller. But like neither of them are explosive. Neither of them are fun to watch. They're not big play guys. Yeah. They, they don't seem to have great vision of the field. It's hard to judge because their line is so bad. I don't really want to be judgmental and be like, I have no idea what they could do behind even an average line. I don't think the Texans are blocking very well. I think he could both usurp Lamar Miller for the job and be getting two-thirds of their carries and also not that great of a play weekly. <laughs> right. Uh, it's a really horrible no-man's land because you're kind of speculating and then you can get it and it still sucks. Um, so you can try to pick him up, but I actually don't have a huge uh, vision for his... I don't have grand visions for his future. But yeah, I also I'm think he'll excited. be a starter for the final stretch of the season. So it's weird. It's I'm weird that this is finally him. happening. Like Alfred Blue's been there for so long. It's been like five years, and now finally somehow he's just going to be good now. Like Jarek McKinnon was like that kind of, wasn't yeah, it? But Jarek McKinnon was always a spark freak. It was always like, oh, somebody's got to give him the ball. No one ever said that about Alfred Blue. And now year five, <laughs> suddenly he's just kind of relevant. He's just there. But I'll be honest, I thought that he's about TJ Yeldon. He's just there. That's I thought, exactly I will, I thought that about TJ Yeldon. He was always just there, averaging three yards a carry. And a terrible offense that never, I mean, was worse for the Jaguars because they were never running the ball because they were always behind. So you're out on blue. Yeah, no. Well, you can pick him up. He's probably better than whoever's wasting away on your bench, but he's also like not, not exciting. Going forward, Curtis Samuel, the Panthers. Last week it was the DJ Moore show. Um, they kind of made him a focal point of their offense and got him, they manufactured him touches. This week it was more about Samuel, although to be honest, still not very many touches. Um, he had one run on an end around for 33 yards and a touchdown. He actually went like a hundred and some yards on that run um, in total. And then two catches, 25 yards and a touchdown. I am not super, you know, I'm, I'm not really convinced that it's going to be sustainable. I actually, this and watching that game last week, maybe quite a bit lower on, on DJ Moore too, just because I thought they were going to keep manufacturing touches for him, getting him like six, seven, eight touches. And it just didn't happen. Instead, they went to Samuel. It's good for the Panthers' offense going forward, um, but I'm not really sure if it really it makes me a little bit less confident in their really sort of viability right now, you know, going forward. So I'm I'm kind of just wait and see mode with Samuel. I don't necessarily think he's nec- uh, he he's worth a roster spot at this point, but um, unless he gets like starts getting really consistent touches. Yeah, and I mean, shouts to you because you did identify DJ Moore, and you had a whole thing about the Panthers last week on the site that was pretty dead on. So. Uh, I trust you on the Panthers. Well, Maybe I mean, uh, my I, it's, yeah, it's good for their offense. Like I said, it's good for their offense. They're getting those guys more involved, but they're kind of, it's kind of like they're, they're eating into each other's snaps a little bit. And so it's really, it's, it's tough to know who to trust at this point. Yeah. I was going to say more was way, way ahead of them of Samuel last week. And then Samuel kind of took the, the spotlight this week. So just a little bit confusing still. Yeah. And la- last one for me, this is, I mean, I have no idea if people care, but I just went through this personal journey in the Ringer League, and I'll just say this quickly, but I had Royce Freeman on my bench, and I decided that, you know what, I wasn't really willing, me and Paolo, who is also, who's the president of football operations for our team, we were not willing to go to war with Royce Freeman this year, and we cut him for Josh Adams of the Eagles, um, speculative as hell, but basically, he's a rookie, he fumbled, he has been unimpressive at various times. But I think there's actually a solid chance that by week 13, he's the starting running back on the defending Super Bowl champions, high-flying offense, goal line back. Corey Clement and Smallwood have both been <laughs> outperforming and deeply underperforming expectations at various moments. 
Um, and there's been injuries. And I think that Adams actually has a weird shot. So I'm curious to see coming out of the bye what the target and the snap count distribution is. If not, you just got him. But I, I had this spot to spare because I don't like Royce Freeman. So goodbye, Royce. Yeah, he's a good flyer. I like it. But all right, let's 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 go a little deeper into that about who you're willing to go to war with or not and trade deadline stuff. But before that, let's take a quick break. We're also brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. I imagine also just paper. But today, hiring can be easy and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash RingerNFL. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. With results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash ringer NFL. That is ziprecruiter.com slash ringer NFL. R-I-N-G-E-R-N-F-L. ZipRecruiter.com slash Ringer NFL. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, TK. Final segment. I love it. Uh, Trade deadlines. This is what it's all about because what is fantasy football if not staring at your roster and someone else's roster (laughs) thinking of trades that will literally never happen but then just sitting there thinking about how good your team could be? Uh, It's really the whole point of it. Um, it's the fantasy American dream, I think. So let's go through. We're going to start with basically guys that we think should sell and you probably could, um, just get rid of them while they're high. And then we're going to go through some buy lows for a second, but who's, who's your, who are some sells you got, you're looking at. So the first guy on my list, I think is Eric Ebron from the lions or sorry, Eric Ebron from the Colts. Uh, we've got, he's been a big part of that offense in the first half of the season. Got a shitload of targets, a shitload of red zone targets. Um, and basically was just benefiting from everyone else on that offense being hurt. Going forward, he is now going to be kind of replaced, I think, in a, in a big way by Jack Doyle, who is back on the field. Um, I think he Jack Doyle is kind of the number one tight end in that, in that offense. And actually last week, not, not this last week, but the week before, um, Iran actually was fourth among tight ends on the team in snaps. He, he played behind Mo Ali Cox and Ryan Hewitt. Um, he only played 17 snaps. Jack Doyle played 52 in that game. Now he got saved by a touchdown. So on the stat sheet, he's still looking pretty solid. So if you can get rid of him at this point and, and get anything of value from him, I think it's definitely worth going worth doing just because I think his role is going to be severely diminished going forward. I mean, I think it's hard because like tight end's so thin this year. Like, what are you going to get? Who are you going to play a tight end behind him? And it's like maybe because the difference between him and like CJ Uzoma, I know you love your CJ Uzoma, uh, <laughs> is so big that even the thought of him just getting red zone looks and or if Doyle gets hurt again because Doyle has not been healthy this year. Um, yeah. I can see wanting to hang on to him solely because I have I, I see that it would be hard to get a trade return for him that would make up for how shitty your tight end position might be, even if he gets worse. 
Yeah, I mean, it obviously depends on your roster, but um, for instance, like I've got him and Kittle in one league, and I'm just oh well, I'm, yeah, I'm well, dumping Ebron as as much as I can just because I think his his role, like he carried me for you know six seven weeks. I don't and was a big part of my offense, but. I don't know if that, I just don't see that kind of like continuing to the second half. I've never carried two tight ends. I just sheerly out of principle because I always felt there was. I rarely this is, do. This is, yeah. uh, this year is testing me. Um, yeah. Tight ends suck. Uh, another one, I was surprised to see this, but I see where you're going with this. You also have Adrian Peterson as a sell. Yeah. So he, first of all, he's very inconsistent. Like he'll put up a goose egg one game or like a relative goose egg and then he'll have like 25 carries for 150 yards and a touchdown or whatever in the next game. Very kind it's of frustrating the best running guy back of his generation inconsistent. What's that? It's called the best running back of a generation inconsistent. <laughs> well, he is at this point. What is he, 32? Um, 33, I'll have you know. 33, there we go. Shameless plug, I wrote about his old man season on theringer.com. There you Donnie go. Donnie bullied me. I mean, it. I've always been kind of a, a Peterson... Uh, fan in terms of I think he's better than the narrative would say he is at this point in his career um, but at the same time he's very I think uh, game script dependent you know if they're close or winning he's going to get a lot of carries if they're not it's, it, he kind of just disappears number two the Redskins off- or offensive line is just decimated at this point there's several yeah. guys on that line that are hurt I don't know how effective they're going to be able to run the ball going forward. I could see them leaning more on Chris Thompson when he gets back and he's more when, when he's more healthy. So overall, like Peterson's numbers look pretty solid right now. People could look at that and say, "I want to get like a, a bell cowy type back for my second half of the season." I think you could take advantage of that. Yeah, I, I, I actually so I did a piece in this and basically Adrian Peterson is having perhaps the best old guy running back season ever for anyone <laughs> yeah. over thirty three. Um, and I actually think because he's a physical freak, could keep that up. But today uh, they announced Brandon Scherf, who is a very good guard for them. Um, Torres pectoral. Their other guard, Sean Laval, Torres ACL. Um, that is brutal. They got good news. They got good news about right tackle Morgan Moses, but brutal lose your two guards uh, in the season he's having. So that's yeah. Probably if you could just sell someone who even thinks he will maintain, it's probably a good call. Yeah, um, who you got on your list? This is one interesting. Craig suggested T.Y. Hilton as a buy, as a sell. I was going to mm. suggest T.Y. Hilton as a buy. So th- I actually wanted to hear from Craig real <laughs> quick because that's interesting to me. <clears throat> uh, well, so as a T.Y. Hilton owner, I feel like you need to bank on, he's had a lot of short touchdowns this year. He's not doing T.Y. Hilton things, even if he's putting up somewhat T.Y. Hilton numbers. He's 41st this year in target share and his air yards are super low. They used to be super high back in 2016 when him and Luck were firing. And he's basically cashed in on like three two-yard touchdowns that have salvaged all of his fantasy days. But his targets, his air yards, everything is low right now. And with Jack Doyle back, I think his red zone opportunities are going to go down. Mac has been great. I think now yeah, is the time. Yeah, they're running a lot more. Yeah, to sell Hilton. So uh, that all makes sense. And I think, uh, so a big piece of what the Colts have done this year is they basically decided we need to protect Andrew Luck because I think he led the league in sacks. He was very close to it multiple times early. Obviously, he's getting hurt. Frank Wright comes in and basically says, let's stop this downfield things where you need developing routes where luck has to be in the pocket for a long time. And obviously he's fearless and takes the hits. And instead of leading the league in average depth of target, we're going to be at like the bottom of it. It's by far the lowest of his career. He went from like being top 10 every year of his career. He's like almost basically last now. And um, like from 10 to six, which is a massive range. And now he's getting the ball way quicker. And obviously for a deep, deep threat like T.Y. Hilton, when the whole goal is to throw the ball sooner, that's really hurting him. But at the same time, 
what you said about he's not doing T.Y. Hilton things, I think that's why you should like look for him because I don't know what you're getting for him right now because he's averaging nine points a game. And like, if you have him, I'm sure you expected big things, but I think he's one of those divisive dudes where if you didn't draft him, like you kind of don't like him. He was hurt. Um, I don't think you could get a great return from him. I don't know. Maybe you could, maybe you couldn't, but I actually think it would be worth targeting him because I, I don't know. Maybe owners are fed up, but this goes to a larger point about like something we're going to discuss, which is relevant to everything we're discussing, which is like, it's hard to look at specifics of players because you really have to apply principles about trading at the deadline. Because sometimes you're going to have owners in your league who's your friend who just like loves T.Y. Hilton, thinks T.Y. Hilton's really good and like is going to hold on to T.Y. Hilton and is going to be irrational about it. And it's like, it's annoying, but like trading has nothing to do with being rational. It's like, it's a skill and identifying how owners feel about certain players is like half the battle. And you know what's a huge part in trading and fantasy is so, you wouldn't think a lot of people do this, but a lot of people click the evaluate trade button on Yahoo or on ESPN <laughs> and they basically just look at the projections for the rest of the season and if it's green and it says they're going to earn points, they accept the trade and if it's red, they don't. <laughs> TY is one of those guys where he's pretty like nicely projected. He's always kind of around the 12 range and then people also go in and click the little profile and just look at what he's done. And he's got a bunch of ones in the little touchdown margin. Mind you, those projections also the rest of the season. Projecting any NFL anything more than two weeks out is absolutely laughable. Totally. I agree. Like, who can, no, I'm, I'm agree because it's like there's no one has any. No, you don't know how many of the 22 players will be playing. No. Any given. It could be 10 of them. So like Adam Humphreys may outscore T.Y. Hilton for the rest of the year, right? Let's just say some random thing like that could happen. But from the <laughs> projection standpoint, no one would ever do that because he's going to be projected like seven points a game. T.Y. looks good in the future. So I think the most important part of that is this is a pillar of me. Uh, you have to like be cold about your own players, which is hard because, you know, I, you know, you got your team, just you got passionate. your chemistry, you got your locker room and everyone's getting together and everyone's getting along and, and you're winning and it's doing good. But you, you got to be a cold GM. That's the role. That's the job. Are can't you guys get too attached to your buyers? own players. Are you guys going to be buyers then? Oh, oh, are you saying you the looking, Ringer League? Like just in general, are you guys looking to trade a lot? Yeah. My God. Always tinkering. Always tinkering until you get the perfect <laughs> There's not enough trading. That's like the one lot, yeah. lot thing that no one does. <laughs> you got to always be willing to tinker because like you just have random players in your roster and you can always improve somehow. And it's just a matter of yeah. figuring out who and honestly what other owner is willing to spend like an hour texting with you or whatever. Um <laughs> but at the end of the, the thing, the rough metric I use, a rough litmus test is, are you willing to play this person, given what you now, in a fantasy matchup, and like lose because yeah. they sucked? Like, are you willing to go to war with them? And if not, like, all right, put them on, like, be willing to trade them away or cut them. Like, it's, you know, you got to make hard decisions. But on that note, um, the most divisive thing of this all, of everything right now, Le'Veon Bell seems to be returning. Seems to be. James Conner <laughs> might be going to the bench. And so I actually reverse this. I think Le'Veon Bell might be a sell right now. And James Conner might be a buy. Right now he is, yeah. Because, again, it's all contextual. If there's someone in your league who is like loves Bell and just think he's automatically going to become a top five, even a top seven running back immediately, I would trade him away. And it's hard to gauge what you would get for that because it's all contextual. And like, But I, I could get Christian McCaffrey for him. I'd do it in a heartbeat. And like James Conner, it's the exact opposite. He's a top five back. And if you have an owner who's like freaking out that he's going to lose, um, Conner for any extended time, I would see if you could get him for something. I would toss out something of middling value because I think Conner is going to yeah. have fantasy value even when Bell comes back. Anytime Bell misses for any reason, even he pulls a hammy and he's out for the game, Conner's a top five running back. And I just having that even for one week in the fantasy playoffs is worth losing Demarius freaking Thomas. 
how petty do you think that the Steelers are going to be with uh, with Bell? Like, is he even going to play when he comes back? Oh, I think he absolutely. I think they. Oh, they get over it so quickly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think he absolutely plays. But again, right. it's like even a third of the carries in Steelers' offense is very valuable. All right, another buy for you, DK. Who else you got? Carry on Johnson, the Lions. I think going forward. I mean, this last week, the last two weeks really have not been super indicative of, you know, I think what the Lions want to be, but they do want to be that sort of smash mouth game, smash mouth offense where carry on is a, a, a big part of it. I think he's got the talent to be that bell cow back. Um, and with trading away Golden Tate, I think that makes them potentially even lean on him a lot more, you know, and partially in the passing game too. So I like, I like Johnson a lot going forward. Now their, their schedule is pretty tough. But he's still a guy that I think even if the script kind of changes up and they have to start passing, he could be used in the passing game. So I just like him a lot as sort of like a foundational piece of the Lions offense. I, I'm I'm looking to trade for Johnson. I disagree with you because I think the window for that's over. Like I, I'm down to get him. I feel like if you have Karen Johnson, you're probably already in love with him. Low key. Yeah, but that's the problem though. Last two weeks he's been kind of quiet. Uh, 12, 12 carries for 37 yards against Minnesota and f- like three catches for seven yards. Like now is the time to get him. If, if, if that's it's going to happen. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Well, I think the interesting thing is like when you are looking to trade someone away, you only look at their high performances. And when you're looking to trade for someone, you only <laughs> yeah. look at when they fucked up. And it's yeah. like, that's like the most fundamental thing is it's like, you have to kind of remember like the, the T.Y. Hilton thing. It's the ultimate, like that story of like, you know, you're saved in the, in the snow and you're like, oh, like I'm not. I'm not going to get into this. It's the point is that we have different perspectives. (laughs) You see things differently based on your experiences. And you can look at the two things. It's like scouting the NFL draft. You can look at the exact same things that come to different conclusions. Right. We can both look at T.Y. Hilton's performance week by week and be like, see completely different outcomes. Because we're selfish beings and it's human nature is a fickle enterprise where we're concerned with risk. You got another Brown player on your list now, don't you? I do. Um, You love the Browns more than I really do love the Browns. Jarvis Landry, basically, this is a guy I think their owners are frustrated with because he, I think he's had one double-digit performance since October uh, or since September. So mm-hmm. I think he's someone that you're probably frustrated with if you're an owner. You probably wanted more by now. I think the Browns offense is about to pick up a lot because Freddie Kitchens has got it going. Um, and it's just going to come around. I have a similar thoughts to him and Keenan Allen to a lesser degree, both drafted high and have not performed how high they've been performing. Keenan has been far more consistent than Landry, but I think they're both two guys that their owners might be frustrated about why they're not doing as well and that might be willing to sell for less than um, they were drafted for. And I think they're going to start performing way closer to what they were drafted for, if not outperform it. So. Yeah, absolutely. Same deal with Dalvin Cook, I think, actually. Um, You know, obviously he had that big run, 70-yard run last week, um, which kind of I guess maybe makes him less of a sleeper, but um, going forward, as he gets healthier, I think they're going to lean on him more. And we saw Latavius Murray really produce in that offense. I think Cook, given the same opportunities, could really go off in the second half. He's he's a more dynamic player. Um, obviously, health is a big factor, but if you're looking to kind of buy low on a guy, I think he'd be a great option because people. I, I'm guessing a lot of fantasy managers probably kind of given up hope at this point with with him kind of emerging just based on the health, but. Um, that 70-yard run, he looked pretty good. And so I'm buying low on Cook, hopefully, 
uh, for the second half run because I just think he's a really dynamic running back and, and there's room for production in that offense. If you've made it this far with Cook, I understand um, wanting to hold on because you had that run, but at the same time, I also understand wanting to cut bait the moment he does anything on the field predictable. Because <laughs> yeah, unless you have no Latavius doubt. Murray, it's so brutal that he doesn't come. So I he's, a, he's a roll of the dice, but I, I think it's worth it. The flip side, so I, I see, I think that you probably, he had that big run and I feel like people were probably going to want to hold on to him. A guy I actually think his value is cratered a little bit. It's Aaron Jones, who I still think is going to get the job in Green Bay. He fumbled last night in Sunday Night Football. Low-key, high-key, kind of lost the game. Um, I still think he's going to get the job. I still think Rodgers wants him to get the job. Um, You're at the mercy of Mike McCarthy, though. I'm at the mercy of Mike McCarthy and Jamal Williams' mediocrity, and I still (laughs) think he's going to be a top 20 back. If he gets the job, he's top 15 going forward. Uh, I would definitely snatch him from someone who's been holding on to him for two months and then is willing to give up because he just fumbled on Sunday to football and probably lost the job, he's someone I would give away. That's fair. One guy I want to trade for going forward, Josh Gordon, the Patriots. I think that they're going to start using him a lot more. It feels like they're really trying to feed him the ball. He's getting more comfortable in that scheme. We saw it last on you know Sunday night football, 10 targets, five catches, 130 yards, one touchdown. I mean, he's, the talent is still there. I think Brady wants to make him a bigger part of it. And I just think he's trending in the right direction right now. He's a little bit inconsistent. You have to worry about kind of him getting suspended or something like that going forward. Based on um, there was there was reports that he missed or he was late for for some team practices and things like that. We don't really know for sure if that was actually true or not. But um, yeah, going forward, he's a little bit I guess concerning. But I just think the talent he has, the upside he has in that offense, makes him a really interesting trade target. DK, can I give you a few players to ask if you'd rather have them or Josh Gordon? Yeah, let's do that. Jarvis Landry. Ooh. I think I would rather have Gordon. Give me Jarvis. Kenny Galladay. Mm, I'd probably take Galladay. I would That's also take Galladay. They're both like super high upside guys. Tyler I, Tyler I, Boyd. Oh. Boyd, just because he's volume. And Green's hurt. Yeah. Also, in Galladay, I didn't put him on because Golden Tate got traded, but Galladay is going to be an absolute stud. And he's had two slow weeks, but if somebody yeah. thinks he's not going to be great, go get him now. I would overpay for him. Like, I straight up would give up too much. Because he's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who else you got on your list? Uh, last one, Sony Michelle. I mean, this is weird because you could convince me either way. I think that it's int- if you have Sony Michelle or someone in your league has Sony Michelle and they're like on the bubble of the playoffs and like they're three and four or four and four or whatever and like it's five and five. I don't know what week it is, but they're like don't know if they're <laughs> going to make the playoffs and they need to start win the next three weeks. I think he's he's obviously coming back this season. I think there's suddenly an, a, like an assumption that he'll be fine when he comes back and just take these. I don't think he's going to be himself for a few weeks. I'd be interested to see if you could do like a short-term kind of deal. James Conner would actually be nice, neat. But um, trade them something that like I, I will help you for the rest of November if you are in a position where you have enough wins that you're worried about December. And that's a great fantasy playoff trade uh, yeah. if you have the luxury of being able to part with people short-term that I think that would be pretty, it's a pretty easy way to upgrade. Like if you have Lamar Miller right now, maybe trade him for Sonny Michelle. Yeah, any, yeah, anyone that they can plug into their lineup, I would just look and just be like, what do you have that you don't want in the playoffs since Sonny Michelle's an improvement over? And like, that's actually like a symbiotic deal. Because it's a cliche, but it's true that like, the best deals are like the ones that make the sense. Especially if you're in a league where so, like you're dealing with the same people over and over. Like, yeah, you, you might want to try to crush a trade. <laughs> but if you like just get the rec- reputation of like you're like the guy who sends shitty trade offers, that's like the worst because then nobody ever wants to deal with you. So it is good to, if you can't be genuine, at least pretend to be genuine. <laughs> I think it's, it actually, if you're in a league with people for like five or 10 years, it actually works to like actually, you know, 
Your reputation matters, Craig. Yeah. This is related to the Sony Michelle thing. Where do you guys stand on Leonard Fournette? Like, if you have Fournette, are you just Sucks. waiting it out and being like, he's going to help carry me down the stretch? Or are you just trying to get rid of him while he still has any value? So there's, I don't think you can get rid of him. Yeah. I think you just what, have to have the, him. Well, actually, that's an interesting. Would you trade for Fournette? The, the, well, it's weird because there's the Dalvin Cook-Latavius Murray thing, where hopefully you grab Murray and hopefully you grab Yeldon. The Carlos Hyde thing is such a wrench. Because yeah. suddenly you're screwed because you almost definitely don't have Carlos Hyde, um, <laughs> which is brutal. Uh, yeah, I just don't. I to me the fantasy playoffs are like about mitigating risk or at least calculating it. Hamstring injuries that have cost you this much time, it's like it's still so risky. And I, I don't know if like even if you wait him and you time it and you can buy low and you send something bad and you get Fournette and you stash him on your bench, are you playing him in the fantasy playoffs? And like he could just pull up in the second quarter and you're like, oh my God, you yeah, have four so points. Brutal. And it's like, that's kind of terrifying because you probably have a good team if you made it this far. And it's hard to disrupt it because, you know, he's a big name, but at the same time, it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, I was super in on him. I thought he was going to be huge and have a huge part of the offense this year. And we'll never know. Uh, I think you probably got to hold on to him if you made it this far. But I mean, I am, but it, it I don't feel great about it. <laughs> just like, I'm I don't just trying know to figure what out you if he could, has any value. You could probably convince someone to be like, "Oh yeah, he's going to take over when you know when he gets back, and he's going to be that 135 yard, two touchdown guy again." Would but, you trade Sony Michelle for him? Uh, I would. What? No. 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 No way. I was thinking. I was trying like Jarvis Landry. I don't think you could get Jarvis Landry. Actually, that's a good, a good one. I would probably trade him for Jarvis Landry. Do you want to play him with your life on the line? Do you trust Fournette more than Alex Collins? Alex Collins gets benched because he gets fumbles, but not because he <laughs> gets hurt. Yeah, no, I'd rather have Alex Collins. Oof. Yeah, brutal. All right, full-time Craig, because we're going off the rails here. Uh, do you have any buy or sell candidates? Uh, I do have one buy, and it's Evan Ingram. Uh, tight end on the Giants. Tight end is extremely sparse, as people know, but if somebody drafted Evan Ingram and he got hurt and they've been playing somebody like O.J. Howard, who's now like a top six tight end, I would go after Evan Ingram. He's been really slow this year, but he's... Still kind of getting back into the swing of things from injury. And last year, he was the tight end five. Uh, I think he's really underrated. He's basically a wide receiver. So if you can get Evan Ingram for a decent price, I would say do it while you can. Like that makes that. me feel better because I have him in the ringer league and he's been really not helpful. Hold on to him. Okay, I'm going to do that. Thank you, full-time Craig. Hopefully, Evan Ingram will not disappoint you like he has the New York football giants. Uh, thank you, DK, who mm-hmm. I have Cortland Sutton for you, man. Just let me know. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> all right, we'll see you guys on Friday. And once again, thank you to FanDuel. We are so excited to be playing on FanDuel this football season. Over at FanDuel, you get the excitement of researching and building your team each week, regardless of the outcome. Plus, they have tons of ways to play, like the Gridiron Pick'em Contest, where you just pick winners, no point spreads, and then $10,000 split amongst the top pickers. Trust us, if you're not a fantasy expert, then FanDuel is clearly the place to play. And new users get a $5 bonus when they make their first deposit. So come play with us at FanDuel.com slash The Ringer. That's FanDuel.com slash The Ringer. 